Hello, hello, hello. You have reached the Blacker the Berry podcast, and this is the Berry Flair, an episode from struggle to sustainability, checking your mindset. And I have a dope guest today. What's up? What's up? Hey, it's Shamar. Shamar Beverly. Um, you want me to give up my uh, handles and stuff? Yeah, why not? Let's start it off right. Okay, well, I am creative director and owner of Innovation or Shop Innovation on Instagram. Um, I also host the FM radio show that I've been doing for three and a half years, four. Um, and um, I think it'll be session. Hmm. A little bit of branding, consulting, um, and up until maybe last year, um, didn't really take the branding as I've been consulting things seriously, so Lit. in the process of like finding myself to like market and manage myself, if that makes sense. That makes total sense. I mean, yeah. um I guess I should just give the people a little bit of a back view of how we know each other, because I like to usually uh-huh. do that. Um we actually met on the internet, right? Right, but yeah. I'm from the same hometown. Yeah, well, we lived in the same city our whole lives. <laughs> <laughs> right, never met. That's so out. funny. Um, but yeah, we met on the internet. We're always having really dope conversations around just like lifestyle, mindset, uh, you know, restorative things. Um, ideas around boundaries, around astrology. We've had a few conversations yeah. around astrology. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, what really made me kind of reach out to you is because we do have a lot of those um, similar kind of conversations and things that we post and also seeing that you have your own um, business and that you're an entrepreneur and that you do a lot of just dope creative things. And I... I love people doing creative things, you know, um, creativity is so an important, such an important force that I think that people often don't uplift, um, especially, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about just education and things of that sort, um, and how... I think, uh, creation is like a healing thing. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Yes. Like... I mean, I think that goes into, like, why we chose the topic of from struggle to sustainability. Like, and so maybe we should talk a little bit about what we think that means and then get into this conversation around how creativity really um, kind of upholds that. Um, so what do you mean? And I'll and I'll give a background of what I mean when I say from struggle to sustainability, and why you think it's a mindset kind of shift. Um, I think we don't even realize that we've just been conditioned just not to live a good life. Mm-hmm. Just because of the quality like of life that we have endured, like in systems of poverty, that we don't even realize like we're in the in the cycle of. Um, like, just even in a basic mere conversation of, like, you just said the past, one of the last 
um, interviews moved you and you were like outbreakly like expressing emotion and you don't do that. Nobody wants you do that. And it's like, why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think and that's a condition. Exactly. That's a, you know? Yes, exactly. Wait, I wanted to let you finish your thought as well, though. Yeah, so I think um, that is like a conditioned thing for like like a pain fest with us, like a like a a, a, a genuine like struggle. Olympics is like actually expressing some of the traumas that we have we have received generationally. Um, it's like be quiet about it. Like you know, mm-hmm. what are you crying? Like. Uh, so what? You had a hard day. I worked twelve hours. Like okay, so you're tired. I'm tired too. Like what? We both can be like, tired what? at the same time. Yes, yes, yes. Like why we can't just lay down and and and, eat, and go to sleep then? Yeah, you're so right. You know what I mean? It's ominous. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I said you know what I mean. That's it. Yeah, like I. I'm constantly in this, like, I don't want to say a battle because I don't want to. I'm constantly in this, like, thing of processing, like, what, like, how I want my mindset to shift, right? And, like, how even in my language is so important in conversation that I am not maybe always complaining or, like, Saying, oh, this happened today or that happened today. But being open about that, but not making it a thing of, like, this is my life. My life is struggle. Um, But seeing it as a thing that also, too, shall pass, right? Uh Um, Uh But like you were saying, because we don't... Because we have so many other people's trauma, when you talk about generations it just kind of feels like it never ends, you know? And so me and you were just talking earlier too, just about like, what does that sustainability piece actually look like? You know, when you're so used to making your struggle, your personality trait almost, you know, like, uh-huh. like this is a part of me, my struggle, like, you know, and then uh-huh. it's like, then how, yeah, People almost don't even know how to introduce themselves to to new people if it's not rooted in their struggle. And so, like, how do you see us or just people in general, especially, you know, especially people who are marginalized people? Because if we're going to talk about systematic things, that that is part of it, right? This marginalization and this um, idea of, yeah, Uh generational poverty. How do you see po- uh-huh. pe- people moving out of this as a consultant, as a business owner? Um, Owning you... it. So, you want to say you a little move bit out of a lot of Owning it, owning it, owning it. Mm-hmm. Owning it. Like embracing it. Like there is a lot of things that, um, like even when you sit down as a family member, you have a, you bring something to the table and it's like, that didn't happen or it didn't. It didn't. It didn't occur that way. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of, uh, if you want me to be completely honest, a lot of accountability in families of color is tied to pain because we were beaten into submission. Mm-hmm. 
So you feel that leads us into having situations where we have a really hard time talking about like accountability and impact. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Think about when you were little, you broke that, you got a woman. Mm-hmm. You mm. made a mistake, you got a woman. I mean, that's this heavy stuff right here, man. This that heavy work. <laughs> yeah. This is the work, right? And it's like yeah. once you admit, like, hey, like, here's how I can be accountable. How do you go for it? And, and how did you find a way to start living more and looking more into what would be a more sustainable and full life? Outside of just the struggle, not ignoring the struggle, but saying, "Hey, like, what's gonna give me longevity?" Like, really, like, really saying it, like, "Yo, I can't do this. Like, I, I'm not gonna like the the, the interact. Like, really doing the work. Like, it's for me personally been between a five and I would say maybe seven year journey, but five year journey where it really got like." It's hectic. Mm-hmm. Um, like, coming from a family that is, uh, my mom is not necessarily, um, my mom is spiritual. Mm-hmm. My mom believes in God. My mom prays. But we've never necessarily been to church. Um, and that's probably just experiences with the system that churches, black churches, religion in itself. And my mom has always had some sort of spirituality in tune and pray, express gratitude, you know, those types of things where my other side of the family, um, I devout Christian. Um, I have like Trump, like I don't really dream. Um, and I don't have dreams because I have, um, had an elder, um, actually say to me, like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't know me dream because your mama not stayed. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, mm. a lot of us actually being honest about our trauma and praying is rooted and not to even speak about it. Like, the whole book has been made for us to be complacent and just not even move our feet in mm-hmm. that suffering. Mm-hmm. Is it the book or is it how it was? the book was taught? Um, I don't, I, I think it's both. Mm. Like, period. Like, that is not traditionally what we innately believed in as a tool, just like an educator, it's a tool to push an agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, you were beaten into submission, and then you're given a book that says, hold on and wait. Mm-hmm. You are crushed and then given a book that says, it is okay, one day something is going to move for you. So what you're saying is like, this is where this like kind of struggle Olympics and this like dismissiveness of like the pain that you feel from the struggle comes from. Like actually processing it. Like the sustainability can't come unless you process the actual feelings around the struggle. Like, you can talk about yeah. it all day. You can be like, hey, my yeah. feet hurt. My back hurt. I had to come yeah. home and I had to clean up. I had to, 
you yeah. know, cook my children and family dinner, right? Yeah. But, like, yeah. if you're not actually processing the struggle, you can't even get to the sustainability process. So you were saying when you started kind of processing this struggle, it was a good five-year kind of uh, gap where you, you it, it was chaotic for you. And, yeah, I just struggled. Like, I'm still struggling, and I'm coming at five years now. Mhm. Mhm. Like, um, I thought at one point, like, I was bipolar. Um, mm-hmm. just like the 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 disparities in healthcare in itself for you to tell like your doctor you are like scared and they just give you the mm-hmm. and like the first the first time I took the Xanax, I passed out and I didn't wake up to the next day. That is terrifying. Mm. I'll never take it again. That was like seven years ago. You were like, nah, that ain't for me. I'm not, that ain't. You know what I mean? And, you know, self medication you know, we can talk about a lot of things like self medication and me smoking, smoking mm-hmm. to medicate a lot of that and realizing, like, it don't matter how much I smoke, it's still something there. Mm hmm. Probably I mean, a lot of people who gonna, you know, can relate to that and can relate to this uh, your story right now, you know. And yeah, like, like I, I personally do not like as a love relationship with men. Um, skyrocket your productivity, absolutely, but some of the crashes. Some of the other things that um, happen with the meds, I don't necessarily like. Um, so I really have to manage my part or my space. Mm-hmm. Um, how I interact, I have to hold my boundaries pretty firm and be very, mm-hmm. like, I've done very, very, very good at, very, very good at my communication. Sometimes I struggle, particularly struggle, like, in, um, like, like my interpersonal, personal relationships, like the relationship that I'm, like, in. Um, but, yeah, like, it's been a real, like, struggle of finding myself and really being aware and, like, coming to the terms of, like, being angry about, like, yo, I didn't have to be here, bro. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. I like, mean, what the fuck is this? One thing I do want to, I want to... <laughs> touch on that I heard you say too was about kind of uh, finding your sustainability and and setting boundaries so what does Uh that actually look like right does it look like having a conversation with those people or was it also inner work of like hey like what are my actual boundaries right I mean it's both it's both because sometimes, you know, you got to be aware that you're just being unreasonable. Um, it's both. It's both. Um, in the beginning, a lot of the boundary establishment was um, me. It's everybody else. It's everybody else. It's everybody else. It's not me. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, you know, if you're having the same reoccurring issue with everybody, it's not them. So you have to really realize or evaluate, like, what is making me, bothering me about this um a lot of my anxiety, a lot of things are actually changed when you kind of like practice presence. Um, and I, I've tried my best to practice that. Like I 
absolutely try my best, like, in the moment when I'm upset or something to be like, why is this making me upset? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also coming from a place or a space where you come from a place of poverty and all I've seen is people be reactive and the instances of emotion are just reactive actions of violence. You've got to learn that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... Like, um... I, I get mad and I'm like, yo... I'm ready to turn up. (laughs) Yeah, like, eventually, like, you know, it's just, like, the switches, and it's like, well, what are you trying to do there? Like, Mm -hmm. because I tried, like, what you trying to do? Like, if you can't move, like, that's, like, something that's kind of, like, and that's crazy, because I'm saying that's, like, something I immediately, like, will struggle with. Like, I get to a point of, like, conversation, I'm like, well, what are you, like, A.O.? Like, what? You know what I mean? Like, is we going to do something about this? And not in the way of, like, let's talk through it. Like, in the way of, Yeah, like, or, like, just go ahead and leave me alone. And, that's, and, and, and that speaks to, like, my childhood trauma of not being heard or whatever I feel like as a child. So, like, I mm-hmm. genuinely will get worked up to a point where I, I, I'm like, yo... And I have to be very, very self-aware of that. Because, like, anxiety and other things will take you somewhere else or have you thinking that other things are happening. And if you're not actually practicing presence in, like, certain things, you will be stressed out. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's been a really long journey of, like, self-awareness. Like, really trying to stop myself and, like, make some decisions. Like, go back and really be like, okay, this is bothering you because of this. How do you bothering you? How do you like when you're in a place where you have to choose reaction or response? Right. I heard you say something about being present. How do you allow yourself to be present when you are in those? those moments of anxiety and, like, maybe, like, assuming that certain um, things are going to happen or ha- are happening or that's what they meant or that's what they said or, you know, what do you do to... I try to listen. I mm-hmm. try to now before, like, a lot of times I try my best to listen to that first scream. Like, you know, mm-hmm. when you, you get up, I call it up because it's like a state of when you get up, like, the anxiety gets up. Mm-hmm. There's, like, somewhere in there, like, where a voice is, like, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to do this, you don't have to stop, like, stop, like, as soon as something, like, you, you, and everybody can, everybody can cap and say it's not there, but in the midst of an argument, in the midst of tension, this is something where you're hitting, like, a not look back, somewhere in your mind, your brain or something, it's a hesitant something that says you shouldn't do this don't stop, you know what I mean, or maybe this is too far. I try to genuinely listen to that because anything after that is your ego. That's so real. Wow. That's so real. I think, I'll I'll tell you an experience that just happened right now, like literally before we got on this call. And um, I mean, I guess there's two things I want to say. I want to kind of uplift the part about, like, growing up in a situation where things are reactionary. But, like, also I want yeah. to lift up a situation that literally happened before I got on the phone. 
And um, we, I had a house meeting with my two roommates and like a lot of stuff was coming up for me, you know. And I was sitting there like, why is this stuff coming up? Like, why do I feel attacked? Like, why do I feel mm-hmm. automatically got to have to fix something? Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. I was like, why are you angry right now? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why are and that's you angry? You that that's how you bring yourself back to earth. And it's yeah. like, okay, now you're being this level. Why are you angry? And why, like, you know, because a part of the question was like, okay, around transparency. And I find it super hard, and most people do, super hard to be transparent with people that they're getting to know, right? Um uh-huh. And I mean, I think that's rooted in a lot of different things for especially uh, there's a lot of different intersections, the intersection of poverty, the intersection of being black, the intersection of being all of those things in a woman. Right. That uh-huh. yeah. kind of puts me in a position sometimes of when I'm not thinking about living sustainably, but I'm thinking about living in my struggle <laughs> and I get like activated or some people would say triggered and I'm like I could react I could just be like you know what I'm fucking cursing everybody out in here and I'm it's turn up time because I don't want to hear this right but I sat there and I didn't say anything I kind of just was I was like the only thing I said was like I'm processing this by this uh-huh. time, I was upset still, and 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 uh-huh. a tear was rolling down my face, right? But I was like, as mad as I was at myself for for crying, I was like, your body needs to release this right now, right? And it's finding a way to release it through this tear coming down your face. Uh-huh. And then I found myself mad that the tear was coming down my face. <laughs> like, uh-huh. And it's like, no, just allow for it to happen, you know. But some of these things are also built within survival, right? It's, uh-huh. a, it's survival mechanism. And even when you uh-huh. don't need to be in that survival mechanism and it's just time for you to uh-huh. thrive, I feel like sometimes your body... You're, you don't know which way to go, right? And that's uh-huh. the difference between the reaction and the response. It's like, do you want to survive this or do you want to actually live through this? Uh-huh. Which and would a lot higher of shit? Some people are solely living on survival. Mm-hmm. You're not living like you loving through survival, you living through survival. You just surviving. Mm-hmm. And then you have to question like, all the things that I knew as love, all of the things that I knew as care, and all the things that I knew as meeting my needs, were those actually situations where that person who was in that interaction was with me, were they actually surviving or thriving or in the struggle or living sustainably, right? Damn. Uh-huh. It really be like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's just like you need to have that conversation with yourself too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where were you where, where were you was I? that you accepted it <laughs> I you know uh, it's 
it's always great to have these interviews because at the very moment that I'm having these conversations, I'm like parenting, like reparenting myself. Yeah, like, and you have to. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Oh, that's where that came from? Wow. Like, <laughs> woo, that's really something. Yeah, and that's pretty, yeah, and that's pretty much what it was. Like, mm-hmm. you have to really, 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 really focus on what, um, why, what's going on, how it feels. Um, and why it keeps reoccurring and why it keeps happening and what what are you going to do to shape that or change it. So, yeah, like, why are you not okay with, like, you live in the house and share this space with these people? Why won't you cry in front of them if you had a tough day? Like, what? Mm-hmm. I think, um, when I think about this, too, I mean, a few things come up and you, you can let me know if you feel like this is kind of traveling in a direction you're not ready to go yet but Uh a few things like come up when I think about like why it's so important for so many young black people and so many young people and people of color right now to become entrepreneurs like and and, and I see the very push of what we're talking about like wanting to release themselves from struggle within especially within capitalism because it's like if I have my own then I'm allowing myself to to build on my own terms um what was one of the reasons why you decided to you know become an entrepreneur did it have anything to do with that or Honestly, um, yeah, like I, by the time I was 22 years old, I was already like in my career. I have a bachelor's in food management and associates in culinary arts. I was managing basically a grocery store at a, um, local college, uh, I believe one and making pennies and sat down at lunch, and everybody in the lunchroom was older than me, mm-hmm. 10, maybe 10 to 15 years. They're in their 40s. I'm 21, 22. Yeah. 20, maybe, 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 tw- yeah. Yeah, because I've been, I've been doing this for almost 10 years. I got eight, eight and a half years. Mm-hmm. So, and I got my paperwork in 2014, and I have counted eight and a half years. So it's 2020, mm-hmm. 12, 2012, 2011, 2012. Um, so basically everybody was like, I hate my life. And I just was like, wow, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is it. This is it. Like, this is it. This is what I'm looking forward to upper management. This is it. Oh my God. And I quit. Yeah. I, I quit. And I then quit. what you do? I quit and I walked around. I did not know what to do with myself. At that point in time, the actual climate was very, very toxic. Um, I had, I, at that point in time, I was on the spectrum. 
um, a coworker had went to a space that I was in and then came to work and outed me. Um, my supervisor then decided to let me know um, that my business is my business. I'm just going to bring it to work. Um, and I didn't. Um, the line cook did, but whatever, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> or whatever, you know. So um, at that point, If, uh, frankly, at that point, whatever my grandparents had told me about working hard in the American dream was full of shit. Oh, Lord. Um, and I was just like, nah, I can't do this. Like, I went to school and I did all this shit and I'm, I'm miserable. I'm fat. Um, and I'm not saying that um, to bash anyone, but at that point in time, I'm not very tall and I was about 340 pounds. Yeah. Um. So I just was not happy. Um, I had severe dysmorphia because now I am a man. So I started that transitional process to become female to male. Um, so a lot of just what I was dealing with in itself, I was completely unaware of what I actually needed to do and the work that I needed to do at the point in time. But I had just really, at 23, 24 years old, started exploring any bit of like life and what that actually entailed. Because I was told to go to school and do certain things. So, you know, mm. I thought I followed this cookie-cutter blueprint. You know what I mean? That, like, there was going to be a pot of gold at the rainbow. But the only thing that was there is the $80,000 that I owed the state. Mm. It's so, almost 200 now with interest. So where did... <laughs> once you left there... When did you start to step into like entrepreneurship? Like, um, well, well, the innovation, the brand actually didn't like, like, someone actually did ask for some advice, some advice, and some actual aesthetic help because I've been like a sneaker connector and a whole bunch of things since I, who was a holler, like, since I was small. Mm-hmm. So, when a local skate shop asked for some help with something, and I actually helped them design some stuff um, with a friend of mine, um, we ended up falling out, and with that fallout, like, that was my first real taste of business. The friend actually went into the actual skate shop and, like, demanded them stop selling the shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, a bootleg cease and desist. So, it, like, kind of scared me off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of like paused what I was doing and just walked around. Um, I worked in retail at that point in time, so I walked around and did retail for like two years. Um, and ended up um getting fired for um using my discount improperly. Um, it was like something small, mistake. It was like a mistake or something like that. I didn't have oh, I didn't have my debit. I didn't have any money. And I asked a friend to buy pay for a shirt, and that violates the policy. So they terminated me. Uh, um, so yeah, once you started building with that, I I know what skateboard brand that you're talking about. But once you started building uh-huh. that relationship with them, is that when things started taking off, and when you became a sneaker connect for them, or like 
That was no, um, the sneaker stuff is just an outright hobby. That's just something I got into later um, because a friend of mine asked me for help with it. Mm-hmm. So the sneakers, like, like I said, I've literally been in spaces where people are just like, can you help me execute things? And I just help them execute them. So now in my older age, I'm like, you literally done project management the majority of your life. Why won't you just build a project management firm? Mm-hmm. So you take on anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, that's what you've been doing. You know, so like, Yes, I've been doing it for nine years. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, they kind of, I kind of left that aspect alone. And when I cut my hair off, because I just didn't have a good connection to my hair and black experience with my hair. So, I just went to the barbershop and cut my hair off one day. Um, and when I went, um, there's a guy here locally. His name is um, Mark, Marky, Marky Shelton. Um, he owned a hat company. Mm-hmm. Um, a hat store, just a straight up hat store. Um, so really, my brand was actually a hat company at first. And mm-hmm. the hats were like a security blanket to like make me feel like okay. Because people would like misgender me and I wasn't really okay with who I was yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the hats were security blanket and certain things. So when he actually closed his doors, I actually went to him and asked him how. So like how was how you do this. So it's like you can order stuff and you can reach out to people and then I got my first consult and the consult was so expensive it scared me off. So it's just like small things that I started to do to build the brand and um, I started as a hat company um, and then I started building other stuff um, and like details and small um, things as reminders because like I said the hats were security blankets so a lot of the hats um, like my dream cap if you look inside of the dream cap, like, the tape, and the tape is the inner lining of the cap, has affirmations in it. Like, yeah. most of my brand, my T-shirts, the inside of the T-shirts have something, like, for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, so a lot of the building of the brand has been tied into my self-healing or affirmations or reminders of people um, or you seeing stuff like how people see 444 all the time or 1111 or certain things like that. Like, it's just like if you put on a shirt every day that says you love yourself, why, how could you not? Mm, I love it. I love it. So a lot of my actual building of my brand has been genuinely rooted in my healing. Um, mm. My creativity has, like, really helped me process it outside of, like, really, like, Speaking to my mom and asking my mom for support that I needed. Um, not really speaking to family members that put me in a weird space. Mm-hmm. You know, drawing lines with people and it's being fierce about it and saying, you know, I can't really deal with you if you're going to do all of that. Like, you can't really make me feel this kind of way because I have legit abandonment issues. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't have a relationship with my dad, but I spent a lot of time visiting him in jail. I have a real issue with anybody who goes to jail and visiting them. I, I can't. Mm-hmm. And it just speaks to childhood trauma. I'm being five or six years old riding in a car for five, six hours and seeing big boom doors and just trauma and triggering things that I just don't want to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Am I homies that are in the system um, and don't get it twisted because I've been in system myself. I've been arrested. I've been in a bunch of stuff and it's just like those triggering experiences are just that. And, and when I'm there, it's like, don't come get me. Let me figure it out, you know, because mm-hmm. of level of shame or whatever it is. But 
all of these things overall like contribute to your mindset and how how you function, how you re- how you relate to people, who you lay with, who you love, who you surround yourself with, like and actually being able to process them and being vulnerable and work through them is like really how I feel like I got out of that like struggle struggle mindset. Yeah. Like Nah, I should be able to tell you that you hurt my feelings and you can't do that. Exactly. That doesn't make me less. That doesn't make me less of a man to want a connection. It doesn't make me less of a man or a person or a human to say, "Hey, I wasn't really hugged most of my life, so certain things are a little more difficult to me." Mm-hmm. Like a lot of us are out here really thinking that someone's gonna love us by reading our minds when everybody genuinely just needs a blueprint to figure out how to reciprocate love from each other. Facts. We all trying our absolute best. I mean, I just also want to highlight and us all trying our best that in no way are we, either of us, insinuating that you won't have moments where you struggle. We're just trying to highlight which mindset and how 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 we have possibly and Shamar is talking about how he has possibly gotten to shifting his mindset. It's and this is why this is a storytelling um, podcast. It is the stories of yeah. other with the hope that you find inspiration and healing in these stories. Um, yeah, so, and I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because honestly, a lot of my healing is just in, like, I know, like, even as a child, like, I don't know. It's just something about, like, I looked around, and it's, maybe it's a level of self-awareness. Um, like, this ain't it. I know I'm not, no, 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 no. Do you, like, no. Do you sometimes think about, like, when you, like, how much intuition you had when you were a kid already? And then, like... Yeah. People kind of were just like, "No, you're a kid. You don't have a clue." You're <laughs> like, so Wait. I have a, honestly, I have a niece, and you see her. Mm-hmm. Me and my mom go adamant that. Like, I was adamant. Like, oh no, autonomy. Her gonna be herself. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of my childhood, everything that I that I didn't want to do, I didn't want to go, I didn't want to whatever, and it's just like you this 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 notion that children don't have voices when they mm-hmm. regurgitate every conversation that you said. Mm-hmm. This notion that these children don't have feelings when they watch you interact with people. This notion that these children don't get their interpretation of love, apology, anything from you is insane. Mm-hmm. And it's things that they hold that are theirs too, right? It's like mm-hmm. they're not a carbon copy and none of us uh-huh. are carbon copies of our parents. <laughs> never We're will literally be. And never will be. our own. Um, we person. may pick up survival tactics, we may pick up coping skills, but everybody's individually themselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I and, think I mean I think it's power in that too and speaking to um what sustainability looks like. I think allowing yourself to say, hey, like Whatever the case might be, if you deem your parents as the most successful people or not successful or in between those two, 
like really looking at who you are, you know, and not fixating too much on um what what would my parents do or what wouldn't my parents do, right? But like what would yeah, I, I do? Like Girl, and no I ain't matter never been how we my mom always mm-hmm. be like, I don't know where you came from. And I was like, I don't know either. <laughs> but we out here is that we just like a here. black mom thing? Like, no, nah, I'm just kidding. It's probably not, but uh, I it, think it's a, um, I think it is a conversation that is had with the kid that chooses to break the norms. Mm-hmm. What you often see, like on, I feel like social media right now is like we are like, it's always these like memes and everything, and they're like. We are the ones that are breaking generational curses. We are the ones, like, we are the um, dreams of our ancestors. We are the, you know, and uh, I find that to be really interesting. Like, I used to, i always been, like, a really kind of sensitive person, right? And I think most people can be. But, uh-huh. like, looking at, like, what it meant to for someone to be like, oh, you don't got to cry. Don't cry about that. Like you were saying earlier, right? And now I'm just, uh-huh. like, trying my hardest to embrace it. I'm like, cry. And it's okay. When you're in joy, yeah. when you're in sadness, when you're in whatever, yeah. just allow for that your body to process things how it needs. Because if it doesn't, like, you do find this stuff showing up in your body. And I don't know what it is about turning 30, but I swear it just um, it just seems to really manifest itself in your body even more the older you get. I'm like, oh, I definitely yeah, can't keep on holding on to this. I just told you I was stressing out. On the flight that I told you I was stressing out from stress, I literally would be dehydrated, having conversations with people and just fall out. Mm. Fall out. I would just fall out. I had like three, four car crashes. One car crash, I just passed out. Wow. I can't, um, I can't rent cars. Hmm. Think about that. And during that point in time, I was actually like, when I say stress and boundaries, a friend was in a, like a situation where we were trying to like facilitate or get her out of that. Mm-hmm. I was working for, I was working two jobs. And traveling. My friend was in Pittsburgh, so I would like get off work and travel. So I wasn't even sleeping really. And then mm-hmm. on the weekends, I was like selling sneakers. I was going to Jersey, so I would go from Pittsburgh to Jersey, sell sneakers, come back home, work all day. And then, like, on the late night, go to Jersey again, help my friend, and then come back. Wow. It's a lot on your body. Yeah. It's like, right. that's, but, like but you said, that's... like, oh, you a hustler, you the grind, the grind, the grind. I worked myself to death, bro. Mm hmm. I mean, I I want to highlight also that part you were saying when you spoke about boundaries, right? And, like, what made you, was it just your body, like, you know, passing out or whatever the case might be um, to take you to say, I need to set a boundary here. Like, you know, I'm my mom said live. to me. My mom was yeah. like, I hate answering the phone when you leave town because I'd be wondering if it's a, call, a bad call. Mm-hmm. My mom did. My mom, every time I left home, my mom made me like answer the phone. Mm. That's so real. Mm-hmm. I think, um, like, the older mm-hmm. I've gotten, 
the more I realized I didn't have boundaries and like how, how in so many ways we're encouraged like to not have boundaries in this way of like, when I think about, and I can't speak for anyone else, but I think often just in black community, like, yeah, you have to work twice, twice as hard to be seen or acknowledged. So it's just like, nah, don't get no sweet. Or nah, not even that, do like that. that our labor is encouraged in ways of emotional and physical. And it's like, hey, but listen, it's okay because you're doing this for people and this is what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be stretching yourself absolutely thin, like because this is for the sake of making sure that everyone else is good, you know? And then it's that burnout. And then it's like, but do we even have time for burnout, right? And so I think what I had to learn, just like you were saying earlier, is like I really had to learn about like actually having boundaries. I did, I was like, yo, I really don't have no real ass boundaries. And this is a part of the issue of why I'm burning out. It's because Absolutely. I really am. Absolutely. Anytime you do something for somebody and you get pissed, it's a boundary. Mm-hmm. It's a boundary. Like you can't even do that to Because I just knew for a fact 
Once I sat down and ate that food with them, that I could not do that forever. I could not. I could not. And that is not what I wanted to do in the first place. I genuinely went to school to appease other people. If it was up to me, I would have been doing what I was doing, which is what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. I actually enjoy the exchange or sales or talking to people or upselling things or actually getting an experience. I went to school innately for hospitality. So now these degrees that I have in this hustle that I have, I done turned it into a tailored business because before StockX and other things came along, you reached out to a sneaker club. You still can. So you had a person in your area that took care of sneaker requests. Um, And I would, like, initially, like, started selling them on um, eBay and certain stuff. Mm-hmm. And I got invited out to StockX. They offered me a job. I actually turned it down at entry level. And the interesting thing about that is that entire day, it was a weekend, actually. The entire day, um, they, they, they showcased us, they catered to us, all types of stuff. And when I say to you, if you are present and you listen to, to the universe and people around you, you know this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I came up there by myself. I had no friends. I knew nobody. I'm not really, to me, anybody in the sneaker industry, but 5,000, when we get there and they tell us 5,000 people applied and they only accepted 122, mm-hmm. that hit a little different. Yeah. That hit a little different. So that's what I mean by that 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 poverty and that hustle. I don't hustle myself so hard, work myself into stress that I don't even realize that people have actually been looking at me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now we're touring this place, and um, we're touring this place, and there's two dudes, and they're like, "Don't talk to nobody," and I'm like, "What?" They're like, "Don't talk to no, don't talk to these people." Eat that food, da 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 da, but don't don't say nothing. Yeah. Cause this is what happens in the corporate America. Then you invite all the poor kids out, and they give you fire ideas, and you take them. So. Yeah. No, we're not doing that. So we walking around the place, and there's this little small Jewish lady. She's like five feet tall. She, we're talking, like we're just talking, and she's like, "What are you here for?" And I'm like, "Huh." And she's like, what are you here for? All you need to do is just perfect your hustle. All you need to do is just keep doing what you're doing. You don't need them. You don't need to be here. Mm. And she didn't even know you. No. And that's just off the small conversations that we were having. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a forum that they had. And, like, I asked the question. When I asked the question, after I asked the question, that's when she came and she followed me around. After I asked a question, everybody started asking me different questions because I came because of the owner, the, the head, the CEO of StockX. StockX, the CEO of StockX actually catapulted this BS that we have in the sneaker industry because a few years back he did a, tech, a TED talk on the sneaker industry and actually running it as a stock market. So my inspiration, I've been chasing this man for years. Mm-hmm. You understand? So now I'm in a room with him, and I get to ask him questions, and the questions I'm asking him are real questions I've been waiting to ask him his whole, my whole life. Mm-hmm. I ask them, I get my little piece, and I move on. You know what I mean? Because I'm just here hungry. I'm not, I'm not even realizing I'm in a room with all these people. We sitting down talking. I didn't realize that the, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers own their own stock eggs. 
He owns Quicken Loans, Rocket Mortgage, all of this. And how he ended up with this solution for stock X was because his son got scammed by somebody like me, bro. Mm. So it's just like, and that, it's just like even the mind-blowing opportunities that they, that outside of Brown was that you have where someone sits around and says, I want to think about a solution to take care of all of this, just not my son, but all of this. Mm-hmm. And have your mind free enough to do that. It's a, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think when we talk about like, changing the mindset like people actually have to feel a lot of it comes down to needs right and and, and this whole conversation is around that right are are your basic Uh needs being met right and that includes like you setting boundaries that includes like allowing yourself to be in relationships that you deem that are that are healthiest for you um allowing yourself to be in a place that honors your mental health um, people who honor your mental health, people, you know, you, you talked about, I had to leave this job because it wasn't good for my mental health. It wasn't good for my physical health. Right. And we know that sometimes a lot of those things are very much connected. Right. And then if people don't ever feel like they have the chance to, and they're not getting their needs met, they can't feel like they can move into something that looks sustainable for them. And that's just something I can, I continue to notice in in general, you know, and like we were talking earlier and, you know, the audience, our audience today, of course, was not in our personal conversation, but I think I, I do want to lift this up and talking about how we can limit ourselves in living in that struggle, right? And how we should should take those opportunities, even if we feel a certain judgment around it, right? To give it a chance and to, of course, still listen to your intuition, right? Like you said, that thing in the back of your head saying, stop or, "Mm." but like having enough curiosity, right? to allow yourself to see something a little bit different. I don't know. I just feel different. I've never really been scared of anything. And maybe that's why. you never been what? Like, scared of nothing, really. You know, I... It's it's interesting because there's a lot of ways that I'm I'm very fearless. And then there's a lot of ways I'm discovering that there is some fear-based rhetoric around it, right? But it's not everything in my life, you know? And so, and then, like, also having to be gentle with yourself and kind to yourself, which is something that we don't always learn. Being too self-critical can can push you in, in ways of, of anxiety and... and, and Absolutely. And I often find myself there sometimes, too. And then I have my mom call me on the phone and be like, man, you so fearless. You just move to all of these places and you go to these places and you live here. And then I say, it actually wasn't in the absence of fear. I was scared, but I still did it. (laughs) 
right. <laughs> you know, right. and so it's and like a lot of that is like if you apply that theory to the rest of your life, if yeah. you apply that theory to to thinking to any of these things, like uh-huh. you, oh, a lot of times we just allow damaging experiences to keep us damaged instead of like okay, okay, so and next time I get on the bike and I hit that left, I need to slow down. Mm-hmm. I just you know what I, mean? I just think about all of the things in life that are, you know, that things have to live and they have to die and they have to be and then they can be gone. But, like, that is never, like you were saying, that transfer of energy. It's never actually gone. It becomes something else for something else, right? And so, like... Yeah, and so, like, back to that. So, when you stub your toe, so, do you, do you just keep going? Um, nah, for a moment, I got to say, ooh, and let it, you know, that it, it absorbed a little bit and be like, ow, I got to get that physical, <laughs> I got to get it out in Subway. You know, I don't keep going. I got to stop for a second there. <laughs> right. So sit down, like sit down, and like really wait for the pain to subside. Mm-hmm. And be like, yo, I'm just wow. Like if you really sat down for that like five, ten seconds, it's like yo, you just mm-hmm. want to get your bearings, breathe. What is wrong with you today? Oh, you just woke up, so. It's like the world is not going to stop for us, but we got to take the few moments. And even if we're in motion, I mean, that's why I think like mindfulness can be so important. Like there are aspects of mindfulness that are very colonialized, but like when you were talking about being in the present moment, like, and, 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 and just thinking through whether you want to react or, or respond, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because one time I I said exactly what you were saying, like, Hey, just take that moment. And it's so many people who physically within the climate of capitalism cannot physically take moments. Right. So then I'm like, damn, like, okay, what does it actually look like? What do all of these things look like for people who are living in poverty? Right. Who are in the struggle? Like where can where is that moment of peace, right? And where is that moment to even think it through, right? And and once they yeah. stub their toe, where can they go and sit down, right? In the most right. realistic aspects. And that is an excellent point to put out there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, like today, I couldn't necessarily do that. Like um, I carpool work. My carpooler had a flat tire. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't necessarily have the access to get it fixed, so I'm like, damn, I gotta get to work. And he's anxious, I'm anxious. So, like, I kind of, like, try to practice my breathing or I try to focus on something in the, in the, in the, in the, in the actual space. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, do you have your lunch? Do you have your bananas? Do you have your water? Like, slow down because it's an eight. Like, I, I try my best to be self-aware mm-hmm. and, like, work into that. But it's been an actual physical practice to do that. Like, you actually have to, like, I actually am aware of it. Some people may not be aware of it. So, for me, 
like my healing comes in different things. And I just said to you, like you're like the FM radio host thing. Mm-hmm. So that is where I heal. Um, every every day from six a.m. to eight a.m., I put together a playlist for two hours, and most of that playlist. Excuse me, I'm sorry, I got the hiccups. Is uh based on in the beginning. I had a co-host, and me and the co-host, my, my co-host had a huge vinyl um, record play, and I have about, at that point in time, it was 9,000 songs in mm-hmm. my digital catalog. Yeah. It's about 15,000. It's about 15,000 right now. Um, So he would make an hour, I would make an hour, we wouldn't show it to each other, and we would mix and master that playlist on site for those two hours, for that hour, then we got pushed up to two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I then ended up on the back end becoming um, one of the, one of the people to help the fundraising team because the radio show is community-based, community-run, so they run a Kickstarter every year to exist. And this is the fourth year we run a Kickstarter and actually existed and exceeded our goals. Mm-hmm. Two of those years, uh, two of those years, I coordinated and done some stuff with them. Um, like we produced a vinyl, um, me and my co-host, um, and sold it at the goal. So like project management, certain things, everything that I get into somewhere along the line, I'm touching it for some sort of organization, career, something to put on my niche. But mainly, I ended up at this radio show because as a little kid, and honoring myself as a kid, I said I always wanted to be a DJ. Mm-hmm. So up until recently, I didn't even necessarily share that I'm into that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so important. Like, I have. To yeah, come I back have, to like, our music goals. that has been made. Yeah, I have music that's been made. All that under names that nobody knows. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> not stupid. It's just really cool and fun. Yeah. Um, but, you know, something I genuinely want to do as a kid, and it's just like kind of like a reparenting thing and giving myself that little bit of heat. Yeah. It's like, we, you know, I, we talk about all these, we have like all these terms, but I, I, you know, it's really interesting to see when your parents get a, a time in their life to kind of reparent and work through stuff that they need to, too. And it's not, I can't speak for everyone's parents, but I have seen, you know, that happened for my mom and happened for my dad in ways that I probably would have never kind of been able to pinpoint and not being an adult, but also in not um, knowing some of these words, like the, a lot of these words that we're using right now, we, we didn't have. And so language just allows you to also um, have a safe space sometimes, you know? And so yeah, I think reparenting for the older generation is called forgiveness. Yes. And it looks so good on them too. And I love it. Right. And you know, it also reminds so- me that this is not something that ever has to Stop. You know, it's not like uh-huh. my reaching for sustainability is not something that has to end or has right. to, you know, I can be doing this forever, but the striving for that is what's important and, and the tools and, and finding out the tools and ways that I can do it is what right. keeps me going, you know, when I think about this and when I think about like, yeah. I may have this struggle, I may have this thing going on right now, but like it is possible for me to have a sustainable lifestyle and it doesn't have to compromise other people's lives you know um, 
Mm-hmm. Yep. And that, it doesn't have to be damaging to me either. Exactly. Exactly. So in in mm-hmm. in in closing though, I want to ask you if you could leave um anything with our audience today about sustainability and you know what what would it be? Um, sustainability actually if you think of my if you want me to be honest is consistency. Um, and that consistency all the way across the board. I think everyone should be consistent with themselves in the aspect that this is the first time, the first day the first moment that you're living your life at this age, this time, this moment. So please be kinder to yourself because if you can't forgive yourself, you can't grow. Mm, That's so real. I like the aspect of like forgiving yourself. It's not like the thing of like, if you you don't love yourself, you can't love nobody else. But it's like, if you can forgive yourself, right. And then, and then allow yourself to try again, like that, will allow you to sustain. <laughs> yes, that allows you to, that allows you in a lot of, like you said something about life. And I feel like you're like, oh, we're all in this world. No. Yes, we are all in this world, but you shape that world around you. Mm-hmm. And you shape what that world looks like. And if you're vocal about what your needs are, if you're vocal about what things are going on in your mm-hmm. life, you have the potential, you have a genuine potential to live a really good life if you are kind and forgiving to yourself and just allow yourself to grow. That's so real. Um, That's so real. I want to thank you so much for coming <laughs> on the Black and a Berry podcast. It's really oh. been a pleasure, honestly. And I want you to leave them with your social medias and your information so that they can follow you. They can get this good word. They can, you know, find out <laughs> some new skills. They can tap into you. You can have more success. Um, so yeah, hit them with the social medias and stuff. Um, the clothing company is shop S H O P I N O B A T I O N three. Um, the social media handle on Twitter is the same. My personal social media is my name, which is Shamar Beverly. So S H A M A R B E V E R O N I B E V E R O Y. Um, the website is www.innovation3.com, so that's I-N-O-E-A-T-I-O-N-3. I believe it's phonetic, um, so I just spelled it a little different. Um, right. website is actually scheduled to relaunch February 1st. Um, Excellent. So I'm sure this is going to be after February 1st. I'm doing a few little revamp things, and a uh, few drops this year are going to be like actively living on my childhood, so I'm excited about it. Right. Well, thank you, and thank you all for listening, and I hope that, you know, this story today has allowed for you to maybe find some inspiration or something in yourself or forgive yourself or uplift yourself in ways that you haven't, Um, and I hope that, you know, y'all continue to listen, and so we out. Thank you, Shamar. Thank you.